back to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And each week we cover a new topic and we drink a new bottle of wine. Yes. And to go back to what I just said, keyword, we are best friends because this week we are talking how to make friends as an adult with friendship Mm -hmm. coach, Danielle Jackson. We get this question all the time. Yes. We actually have had a good amount of you guys write into us on like, how do I make friends? How do I make a friend? As an adult, this is weird. It's weird. It feels weird. Yeah. We're going to be talking to Danielle about the common barriers of making friends in adulthood, her tips for developing meaningful friendships later in life, and how to maintain relationships with old friends. But first, usually you say, but first, Nat, the but wine. But first, Nat. But guess what? Oh, are you going to th- toss to me? I'm going to toss to you because the tables have turned and Corinne brought the wine today. I brought the wine. So let's Only talk because about Natalie it. texted me like, can you bring the wine? I was like, sure. <laughs> I was like, we need a white. <laughs> okay. Well, so today, oh my God, this is like so weird. Today we are drinking the Storm 2020 Sauvignon Blanc from Santa Inez Valley. Ooh, okay. Is that where you're from? Nope. That's like... Um, okay. <laughs> I believe that's like mid, it's like San Luis Obispo, Santa oh, okay. Barbara. No okay, yep, that's not where you That go. sort of area. Do the, I'll do oh, the pour. She's doing it. Very nice. Wow. Also, should we tell them it is a? Twist top. It's a twist top. Okay, sorry, I'm still learning how to do that. Um, I won't be doing this uh, very much, but yes. You never know. Okay, cheers. let's cheers. To friendship. Oh my God, actually, I have something to say. Oh, Interesting. Damn it. <laughs> God, you guys, I swear to God, I do not do that on purpose. It, it, it's it, just the word. I want merch. It has. To, we have to have merch that just says, interesting. So yeah. TM. Nat, Nat and I have been, guys, we are going to have merch. We've been thinking about different designs and different things we'd have it, um, have on our merch. And one of them has to say interesting. One of them, definitely interesting. And then we've also, we, something has to say citizens arrest. Citizens arrest. But I feel Must like it would be great on a coffee mug. Like, Interesting. Interesting. No, that's perfect. Okay, we'll work on that If you design. guys have anything else you'd want on our merch that like we say all the time or is like an am I like inside joke, please let us know let because us know. we are actively developing this. Yes. And I just wanted to say, what? just on the topic of friendship, because I was driving over here and I was thinking, this is absolutely insane. What? So Corinne and I were on a podcast. <laughs> And they asked us for like promo pics. Yeah, we were guests on another yes, podcast. Yes, we were on somebody else's podcast and they wanted photos to like promote the episode. I had to Photoshop us together. We have no photos <laughs> together, you guys. And we not one. Not one that's like usable in a yeah. normal setting. No. Can I say, Natalie, you did a great job. Thank you so much. It's a photo of both of us. Natalie, it's a separate photo shoot. Natalie had a photo shoot in a power suit. I had a photo shoot in a power suit. And then she cut around us and put us together. And I had to like change the lighting because like you were lit different than me. And I had to like do this whole thing. And then Corinne's shoulder was like blurry. So I had to like put my shoulder. It was this whole thing. And I'm like, this is insanity. So the moral of the story is that we will be taking photos together yes. in a professional setting, but also just in a friendship setting. We, we yeah. need a photo We together. need like 
We've been on like trips together and we don't even have usable photos from those. No, (laughs) but I guess it's a good... We're very in the moment. We're very in the moment. But also now it's becoming a business liability. It is. (laughs) It is. And I can't send more people a picture of us photoshopped together. We'll post it on the story today. You guys can look at this. But I think it's done really well. We pulled it off. We pulled it off. We don't look like we are together, but it's not distracting enough that you'd be like, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It looks... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So should we get into this episode? Let's um, get into you know, it. Obviously, you guys, Natalie and I have been friends for a while, but that doesn't mean we aren't still looking to make new ones in our lives. And I feel like it can be really awkward and uncomfortable to make friends in adulthood. I feel like it's like very similar to dating. It's like, who's going to ask who first? And like, what am I gonna Do ask they like me? Um, you know, you don't want to come off too strong. So I feel like... Danielle is the perfect guest. She is a friendship coach, specifically for like friendships in adulthood. And, and for females. Can, and for females. So she's the perfect person to talk to about this. And also you guys have been writing in about this. So it's all perfect. It's all perfect. And I'm just going to do her little uh, intro here because you got you to gotta hear about it. So she is a certified friendship coach and national speaker dedicated to teaching women how to create and maintain meaningful female friendships. She's been featured in NBC News for her expertise. Her advice has been quoted in several other media outlets, including the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, and Insider. And she founded Friend Forward, a platform dedicated to teaching women how to create and sustain meaningful friendships. She uses her teaching skills as a former high school teacher to coach women through ways to navigate common friendship conflicts. As a member of the American Sociological Association, wow, I can't believe I said that right on the first time. I can. You always say things amazingly. (laughs) Danielle uses the latest research to create practical, tangible strategies to help women create more depth in their platonic relationships. She shares her insights weekly on the Friend Forward podcast, and you guys have got to check it out because it's a good one. It's a great one. So let's bring Danielle on. Hello, Danielle. Hey, Danielle. Hello, ladies. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh, thank you for being here. We're so excited. When we came across you, we were like, this is the conversation we need to be having because I feel like as we've gotten older, we've had to relearn how to make friends. Yeah. You know, and you're not in college anymore. You're not in high school anymore. You're not just living with people that are your friends. So it really, it it is a skill you have to relearn. Yeah. Yeah. You're not the only ones. It's funny because with like your age group, that's when they start to come to me. And I think it's because research shows that your social network expands exponentially until about the age of 25, at which point it begins to kind of slowly decline. So that's when people start to be like, wait a second, what's going on? So you're, you're in good company. Yeah. And I I thought it was so interesting that you started your career actually as a high school teacher. And I wanted you to walk us through your journey of being a high school teacher to now being a certified friendship coach. It's definitely, I would not have foreseen this. I certainly wasn't, you know, nine years old talking about how I wanted to put like 
friendship coaching on my vision board. So this was not a thing. But yeah, I was a high school English teacher for about six years teaching juniors and seniors. And between classes and after school, the students would come to me, female students, and they'd be bringing like their issues. And I didn't realize at the time I was coaching them through, but that's what was happening. And so I eventually left the classroom to get into public relations. And so foolishly, I made the mistake of thinking, oh, I'm leaving that drama behind with teenagers, you know. <laughs> and then I'm like, wow, here are very ambitious, high achieving, intelligent, funny, charismatic women who are also talking about struggles they're having with other women who are their friends. And so I went home one night on Amazon, as one does, and out of curiosity, I searched friendship books. And of the few results that came up at the time, most of them were for children. And I thought, oh. is that what we think of friendship? That it's something a kid would need help with? But if you're an adult, you should have it figured out. And so for the last four years, I've been serving in a in a friendship coaching role. And it's been a blessing to have women trust me with something that's so tender, personal, and important to them. Were you always good at maintaining friendships? Or was that something when you kind of had that realization like, wait, okay, adults are also struggling with this. Yeah. Then you kind of had to learn, okay, like what are the the tools that one needs? Or did you feel like you already kind of knew what that was? I think I had some of the basics of like social skills and my own friendships and things like that. But I think people are surprised to learn that. I think the reason I am so effective in this space is because I used to be a really bad friend. So it's not like oh. I was the girl who was like always so fun and pleasant and always had a squad. And so now I'm going to teach other women. It was, I was a really bad friend, especially in high school, but I know firsthand what it's like to not have your friendships in order. I understand the consequences of, of being exclusive in your group and not being invited or giving the silent treatment because you don't know how to talk through a conflict. I know what it's like to not have those skills and the ripple effect that it has on your relationships. And so because of that, I think it makes me hyper aware of the things we need to get right in our, in our friendships as an adult. Yeah. I think that's so bold of you to be able to say that. Yeah. Like, you know what? I wasn't the best friend, but because of that, you learned, right? And I actually would want to work with someone who knows what it's like on the other side of things. Um, then someone who's like, oh, I've always just gotten it right. Because, you know, that's, I don't know. I feel like that's very high thinking of yourself. You know, we've all made mistakes. We've all been a bad friend at one point. Especially in high school. Yeah. High school, <laughs> I think. So I can imagine that as a high school teacher, I mean, experiencing high school yourself, but then also being around all these like teenage girls, which can, it can be a very wounding time, I think, for female friendships. Were there any specific things that you noticed, maybe a pattern of things that girls were coming to you with that you then took into your work now? Yeah, that's a great question. And I also love that you use the word wounding because that's so true. Currently, I'm working with women who, let's say they're like 35 and still referring to something that happened when they were 18. So it's so interesting how that sticks with you. Yeah, I noticed a lot of things that we're still trying to work out in adulthood. I noticed in high school. So the first thing is false expectations of what friendship should be. So a lot of your issues are with what you expect to happen in the first place. You expect her to be a mind reader. You expect her to support you in everything. You expect that she's not going to get close to other women because she's supposed to be like your girl. So what is that supposed to say about your, I mean, all those things that we probably have been fed by the media and things like that, I think work together to make us have certain issues and conflicts, some of them internally, some of them outwardly with our friends. And so I noticed a lot of that with young people. And so I never reduced it really to like, 
oh, this is just silly stuff until I, I left out of that space. And I realized, oh, it wasn't silly. Like this is something that stays with a lot of people. Like you never figure out how to flex that muscle and develop certain certain skills. So it's interesting that we always see like, oh, girl drama, high school. And it's like, actually, we're on the struggle bus through 30, 40, 50. So we got to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're also like, I think you have to remember that you're not the same person you were in high school. So it's like, if you think, you know, I wasn't the best friend in high school, I was going through my own stuff at home and I couldn't be there. That doesn't mean now when you're 25, 30, you can't show up. You're not that same person. You've grown and you have more skills and more communication skills. And so I think, yeah, you have to remember you're not that same little girl, you know, evolving. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But I've found, you know, beyond just like the like social skills you need. I think there's also like societal barriers to making new friends in adulthood. What would you say are some of those barriers, like common barriers to making a new friend in adulthood? Yeah. So at the risk of sounding like a life coach, (laughs) some of it, you know, it really starts in your mind. It is a mindset because I can equip you with techniques for days, right? Or I can share with you, you know, I I study the latest research studies, you know, for hours a week. So I can share all that and you can be like, wow, that's interesting. But if in your mind, you still don't think it's possible for yourself, it doesn't matter. And so a lot of mindsets that I see that are very problematic, the first would be, it's too late for me. Mm. is a big one. You think that for whatever reason you're behind, that everybody else formed their friendships and you'd be late to the game to start now. And so what's the point? So thinking you're behind, another one would be believing that everybody already has their circle. Everybody's already friends around here. So I'm too late to get in. There's no space for me, which is not true because research actually reveals that we replace about half of our friends every seven years. I saw that on your TikTok. Yeah. And that always gets like a lot of <laughs> and it helps to make a sense of a lot of things, right? Like, oh, that makes sense. Yes, you know? And so it's like there's this natural friendship pruning that takes place every, you know, kind of cycle of years, which makes sense because if you think about your lifetime, seven years is a big leap, 14 to 21, 21, 28. I yeah. mean, your your worldviews have matured. Some of your, your beliefs and attitudes, maybe your personalities even shifted from how you used to be. And it makes sense that you'd share space with people who, who value that and, and kind of operate in the same way. But those are two big mindsets I see. Another one is I don't have time for friends. Um, And we unpack that together because that's a big one. You're not going to actively, intentionally engage in pursuing friendship if in the back of your mind, you don't really think you even have time to entertain this whole thing, you know? And so there are certainly mindsets I've noticed that have stopped people from moving forward. And the last one I'll offer is I'm too blank insert perceived inadequacy here because I'm too shy, too introverted, too weird, too whatever. Other people aren't going to be able to relate to me or appreciate me, which keeps us kind of stuck in our bubble. So those are some mindsets I've noticed that kind of get in our own way. Yeah. As you were saying this whole seven years thing, I was also thinking back to how my personal friendship group has changed. And I think it is very accurate because We are growing. We are changing. But I also think about, I do have some friends that I've had since I was like in preschool. How can we, as we get older, how can we maintain those very special friendships? Yeah. So that's a a good question. And especially as we go through different 
like uh, I guess like life milestones and yeah, achievements, right? Yeah. People are starting to date or get married or they move for their job or have kids. And it's like, whoa, how do we stay connected when our lives look totally different? So there's a couple things. The first thing I lead with, which seems so simple, but we don't do it, is to telegraph your desire. So if in your mind you're thinking, man, I feel nervous that we're kind of like creating distance and I want to hold on to this to say so but we won't because we feel like oh does it make me look desperate is that stating the obvious do i look clingy but to say to her god i know you know things are crazy right now and so much is changing but it's important to me that we stay connected like what do we have to do to make sure you and i are good just to let her know i'd like to be intentional about this i hope you are too another thing we can do if we're shifting during life stages is to put it on the calendar i know that's very unsexy but <laughs> you know a lot of us will honor other things but here's the mindset shift that i noticed is from young people to getting older is when you were in school it was organic when yeah. you were in college yeah you just had to like walk down the hall in your dorm yeah and exactly. you guys were right it was like so easy and you're like in your pajamas and they're like you want to go out tonight yeah I like it was just so easy well a lot of adults that I work with struggle because they can't get past that it used to be so much easier it used yeah you're right because we were in a space saturated with our peers doing the same scheduled thing all day so our schedule is conducive to being in classes and studying together and suddenly that social backdrop has been removed now you got to design it for yourself mm. but we've never had to so now you do have to say okay listen thursdays are good for me can we make it like a, a thursday thing to just like catch up on the phone to make sure we have some kind of regularity so those kinds of things keep us close as being intentional about time telegraphing our desire those are the kinds of things that keep us connected when we feel like we're starting to drift apart a little bit yeah and i think we it's, love a google cal moment we love a google <laughs> cal moment i have a, a specific color on my calendar for friends and family it's pink and so that's like, you know, I know in my calendar, okay, a pink little time slot means mm -hmm. time with Natalie or time <laughs> with it, you know what I mean? But when you were talking, I was thinking about, I have a lot of really close college friends. A lot of them moved to New York and are on the other side of the country. And so I don't get to see them as much. And I do think there's like a mourning period of like, I still love them, but our relationship is different. Like our, our relationship isn't, I can run across the hall and see you in your dorm and paint our nail and gossip about boys or whatever. And, you know, now we're all, uh, a lot of them are, are getting married. I have a couple of friends that are having kids now. And so I'm just curious how, if we're not in the same stage as somebody else, like how we have, how we maintain that closeness. Like one of my best, best friends having a baby and I am nowhere close to, to having a baby. Um, and so like, how do we still have our thing? Yeah. Oh, that's such a great question. And I think it also speaks to your desire and intentionality to keep your friends close. And so we can want it all day, but then we're like, yeah, but how do I do that? Yeah. So a couple of things. One is to not make assumptions, which sounds like, oh, okay, Danielle, how does that apply? But you would be surprised how many women I work with and they say things like, well, you know, we would have invited her, but you know, she's got the baby. So, you know, we don't want to invite her because she probably can't come. Or the new mom is saying like, oh, well, I don't want to bore them with this. Like they can't relate. I'm not going to share that I'm struggling with this because they probably can't appreciate that. We do, ironically, a lot of assuming with our friends because we feel like I know you so well, 
I don't even need to ask you. I already know. And it, I've noticed it create a lot of distance emotionally or physically. We start to withdraw, ironically, because we feel like we know her so well, she can't relate or that she won't want to be bothered with this. She mm -hmm. won't be interested. And it's not true. And so I see that a lot as a cause of like a gradual separation in the friendship. Another thing would be to try your best to find some aspect of her new season that you can relate to or you can show interest in because i know a lot of times like if we, if we continue with the the new mom example you know she starts to make mom friends because it makes sense they can help her in this little village whatever and she might have you in her mind as like her college friend so how do i show her hey i can travel with you here hey how is you know how how is nursing going mm -hmm. hey how's the baby taking to you how you know i don't know about that world but i know it probably is hard you know i'm, I'm here to listen to at least show you can bring me on this journey with you in this new space and you and I can evolve even though you adopt new identities because research shows that the people who are more likely to remain our friends are people who support the various aspects of our identity so if I become a mom that's a new part of my identity I'll probably remain friends with the people who support this new mm -hmm. aspect of it as soon as we adopt a new part of our identity the people in our lives who can't get behind it or understand it they tend to drop off and so it's important for us to see okay can you support me here relate to me here in this new space and to demonstrate hey I, i'm over here i'm still around and i want to to stay connected even though you're in this new phase of life it's almost like treating it as if you're making a new friend this person with their new identity, you know, and like you were saying, you assume certain things like, oh, they, they won't want to come, blah, blah, blah. It's like you almost need to treat that person as if they're a brand new friend that you maybe, you know, are still are getting to know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that because, again, it goes back to assuming that we know each other so well. So we stop making effort, right? Because we're like, oh my God, we're so close. Like, I don't have to put you on the calendar because we're so close. Like, seriously, do we need to be so formal? So sometimes we take advantage of the fact that we're so comfortable and familiar, and it can be to our detriment to not treat it sometimes romantically. And I, I draw those parallels a lot because we know what to do when we're dating. Like, when we're dating, I'm going to be very upfront with you about what I need and what I expect. What are we? Let's have a conversation but with our friends. We're like, oh, my God, like we're friends. I shouldn't have to say it like I don't have to say it. You're my friend. Mm -hmm. And so we don't communicate. We make assumptions. We don't tell her when we miss her, you know, we, but we do that with a guy. But we don't say like, hey, I kind of miss you. Like, yeah. can we connect this weekend? There's so much that we know instinctively in a romantic sphere. But as soon as it becomes a platonic relationship, we have this dance of, well, this is supposed to be a fun recreational entertaining problem-free space mm -hmm. so of course we don't have to like talk or address hard things and it's simply not true yeah you know it's so funny you were saying like the whole dating aspect of it because okay, so i've made a, a few adult friends that i've been very proud of <laughs> and but it does feel like dating and i have trouble balancing like you know wanting to make an, a connection wanting to make the first move and mm -hmm. also like feeling like, am I coming on too strong? <laughs> like, you know, I just invited a, a newer friend to go on a trip with me and I was so nervous. It was like I was asking her out. I was like, hey, I'm going to be here. Would you want to come with me? Like, it's cool if you don't want to. And like, I don't want to come on too strong. And like, you know, you can get back to me. <laughs> she kept saying, she's like, is that too much? Do you think that's it's too much? much. It's <laughs> too much. Do you think she thinks I'm weird? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, because you're, you're putting yourself You know, it's funny. If, if this helps ease your words at all, that never really goes away. I mean, I work with 20, 30, 40-year-olds still expressing the same. Fear of rejection is what it is. I mean, that's central to so many of our, our life issues is I'm scared somebody's going to say no. And what would that mean about me? And I don't like how that's going to make me feel. We're all scared. And I, I always say a lot of times we put so much focus on what might go wrong. Like we envision she's going to say no. She's going to think I'm lame. Do I look more invested You know, than she is? Does that look weird? But we don't put our head on a swivel and entertain that it's equally possible that she's thinking, oh, I'm so relieved because I was thinking she was cool too. Or mm -hmm. that I was thinking that we should get together. I'm glad she said it first. Both of those are equally possible. We just have to, we just have to go for it. So I'm glad you did. Good for you. Got to put yourself out there. <laughs> Thanks. It was really nerve wracking. <laughs> well, I think that that's what people get so afraid of, you know, in our, it's like, we don't want to take any more rejection. It just sucks, you know? And we've had so many listeners write in asking, how do I make friends as an adult? How? So what, I'm sure you get that question every day of your life. <laughs> what are your suggestions for those people? Okay. Yeah. So literally I've made like a whole course on this, but I'm going to hit you with a couple things that I think that listeners could do and apply like immediately today right now. So the very first thing I do like to start with uh, to frame this a little bit is I hear a lot of times people will use the phrase, make new friends and meet new people synonymously, but the two are not necessarily the same. Mm. Making friends refers to the art of cultivating something meaningful with another person. And who says that that has to start from scratch? So a lot of us think that we have to go to a blank slate. I want friends. I got to go to a blank slate, but I would encourage you to take, you know, inventory of the people you've already met like in your life who you've dismissed as potential friends for whatever reason she's ah, oh, she seems too young too old ah she seems really momish oh she doesn't seem you know like she's got my humor we dismiss it for whatever reason but if you started to entertain them as a possible friend how might that change things because research shows that most of the friends we have are also active as another role in her life. So by that, I mean, she's also my cousin. She's also my neighbor. She was also my babysitter. So the people we make friends with, a lot of them tend to be people who were already in our lives in another way. And we became friends. So if that's the case, and I'm trying to attack this strategically, who's already in my life, who I'm not paying enough attention to as a possible friend, and how can I view them differently would be the first thing. The second thing is to try to find a way to integrate more routine into your life again, unsexy, but I know sometimes we hear routine and we're like, oh my God, that sounds like so boring. I need some exciting ideas. And I get that, but we're more likely to become friends with people who we've like, we're breeding a familiarity with them. So I always say, become a regular somewhere. What can be like your regular spot? Because we're creatures of habit. We tend to be at the same spot, at the same time doing the same thing. So whether it's walking my dog kind of like at the same time around the same spot or picking up my kids from school at the same time or kind of going to that happy hour every Tuesday. Now, let me pause here and say, because I gave this tip on TikTok and people were like, oh my gosh, as women, you know, we can't have a routine because people can like stalk us. And I was like, sadly, sadly, that is true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's correct. So I would say, take this advice, use your discernment, but take, you know, try to extract the main message from here, which is how can I have some kind of consistency in my life? So I'm seeing 
the same people and it's like, oh, hey, what's up? You know, and our faces look familiar to each other because I kind of see you every day. So now saying hello feels less intimidating because we kind of we kind of know each other. I see you all the time. So how can you become a regular in some aspect of your life instead of staying in the house for a lot of us who work from home or, you know, not switching it up sometimes? Another thing would be to get with your super connector friends. So these are those people you might know one. I'm one. I, I have these a are friend like that. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? And these are mm -hmm. the people who really thrive on bringing people together. So they'll be like, oh my God, Marissa, you have to meet my friend Tiffany. That person, okay, we all know that person. Why not reach out to them and say, listen, I'm trying to get a little more plugged in, a little more connected. I thought of you because you're always out and about doing something. And I was just wondering, is there anywhere around town worth me checking out? Or you know, is there anything you recommend? Because what this does is signal I would like information on how to get connected with friends without saying I need some friends. So it's almost like, a, hey, I'm trying to get connected. I thought of you, like, what are your thoughts? Where should I go? Now, they might end up giving you recommendations for places to head up to be social, which is great. Or on the best case scenario, they might invite you to be their plus one somewhere. And they'll mm -hmm. say, oh my God, I have this book club. You have to come with me. But you cannot get your needs met if you're too scared to make your desire known. Mm -hmm. And so those are some things we have to keep in mind when it comes to making friends and putting ourselves out there as it's all about being intentional, looking approachable. Some of us are out and about, heads in the phone. You know, we've got the resting yeah, face. I'm guilty of know? that. <laughs> And then we're like, nobody approached me. I don't know what's going on because it looks like you could not be bothered. And so a little bit of that helps too. I'm curious if, if you think this is true. It sounds like you do. I heard this a long time ago and it always stuck with me that in order to like make a new friend, you have to go above and beyond. You have to create a memory together. Like a lot of the times my boyfriend and I go on double dates with a lot of his friends and I meet them and we have dinner, we talk and then I'm like, we leave and I'm like, I feel like I still didn't hang out with them. Like, I feel like I don't have a connection to them. And I'm like, we should go like, I don't know, do a pottery class with this couple. We should go do something that like sticks more in your yeah. brain. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It does make sense. So there's new research that actually shows that we're more inclined to say yes to something when there's a layer of novelty to it. Yeah. So if we're doing the same thing all the time, like, you know, sure, if I love you, I'm going to be like, yeah, let's do it. Okay. But I'm more inclined to say yes if you're like, okay, so I know we've never done this before, but there's this pottery class. It looks amazing. You, me, Sangria, pottery, What like what's up? <laughs> it's new. It's different. It's kind of exciting. But the same way, again, taking it to the romantic sphere, when things get kind of like dull maybe in the relationship, Relationship and they're like, ah, spice it up. Same thing for friendships. How can you create something that, to your, your point, is memorable? It's different. It's exciting. And also, what we don't talk about enough with that is it, there's a little bit of vulnerability in that. And and I think a lot of times when we think of vulnerability, we think about like an image of you're crying your eyes out mm -hmm. or like you're telling a secret of what happened when you were ten. And those are level ten vulnerabilities. I say. That's a level 10. We could do some level ones. So the best way I've heard vulnerability defined is you feel comfortable taking a risk being rejected. So there's, there's a chance a person might push back on you here, but you're going to put yourself out there and try anyway. If I say, hey, I've never done it before, but do you want to come with me to a pottery class? There's some vulnerability there. I'm trying something new in front of you. I don't know if I'm going to look awkward yeah. and there's a chance you might think this is a really lame suggestion <laughs> but i'm gonna go for it that's vulnerability too and there's something about that that's very endearing yeah it also makes me think about how it's almost 
I think a lot of the times it's scary to have a conversation with somebody one-on-one when you don't really know them because it's like, oh my God, what if we don't have anything to talk about? But if you do something like that, you're doing something active. You can talk about the class. Like it takes the, the pressure off. And the next time you guys hang out, you have this memory. You're like, oh my God, remember when I like yeah. my pottery exploded <laughs> and it yeah. fell everywhere <laughs> and like how embarrassed, you know, like yeah. you have this kind of memory that like bonds you and then you're not just constantly like, City of siblings? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? We could actually take a lesson from men there because, and I know this, I'm generalizing, but several research studies show that men tend to do activities together. So there's a phrase that men are shoulder to shoulder and women are face to face. We tend to have more dyadic relationships, meaning one-to-one, and we talk. That's how we do bond. So a lot of us, we go to suggesting, do you want to get coffee? Do you want to grab a drink and talk? And for many of us, that's that's fine. But especially to your point, with a newer friendship, we might want to take a lesson from men and do something active. So it takes off the pressure. And again, so we have that thing to refer to that memory, but it takes the pressure off it feeling like it's interview style, or, you know, if we don't end up having chemistry, it's okay. It's not as awkward because we're active. We're in a museum or a theme park or a pottery class. And so um, suggesting something active for the first hangout that's new to both of you. So it levels the playing field might be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get into what you do, which you are a friendship coach um, and you are committed to helping women learn to create and sustain meaningful friendships. So how do you work with your clients and how have you seen your clients grow through their work with you? I can help anyone from or with things from, you know, making friends or I have a lot of women. I think people are surprised to learn that most of my clients are like high achieving, clever, cool women who approach their whole life strategically and planning. And they are the same way about their friendship. So they're like, okay, I have friends. Okay. There's no, I have no problem there, but I don't feel as close to them. Like I'm not as satisfied with them. Like, what do I need to do to like have more satisfying friendships or find women who are a little more my vibe? What do I need to do? Tell me what to do. And so I work with a lot of women who are intentional and fun and and all these things, but they want to be strategic about it. A lot of times it's working through a tough conversation because for a lot of women, uh, and a lot of this is cultural conditioning. We keep it inside or we don't want to seem like a witch or, you know, so we mm-hmm. keep it inside. We're like, oh my gosh, no, we're cool. Like, even if you ask her, hey, did I rub you the wrong way yesterday? No, girl. Are, what are you talking about? But then we're going telling friends like, oh my God, can you believe what she said yesterday? You know, so, so some of women want to work through those things with me. So a session looks like, you know, I do 75 minutes. I know a lot of sessions are like 45, but I feel like we're just getting there by 75 minutes. We've really processed some emotions. I've asked some, you know, tough, really thought provoking questions, and we've had enough time to like come up with concrete things to tangibly do by the time we're done. And I think a lot of them appreciate that. When I first got into friendship coaching, I was I'll be honest, a little embarrassed to tell people that my friend circle, because what the heck is that, Danielle? You know, that's (laughs) you. You want to be a friendship coach. That's adorable. So it's funny now to see like all that's come out of it. But I think when they start to realize, well, if you had a romantic partner, you'd go to like a marriage counselor, or if you had a new business, you'd get a, a business coach. 
why not get support for what I'd argue is one of the most important relationships you'll ever have. Um, and so I serve women in that way. And it's been, um, it's been really fun. And sometimes I'll see growth right there in the session where they're like, oh, snap. Okay. I am guilty of doing this. And you see the light bulb go off of them thinking, man, I've been the issue in some things and I'm never going to do that again, which is so exciting for me. Or I love when I get the emails afterwards that are like, okay, so I did the thing. We had the conversation. She wasn't even mad at me. I just was thinking <laughs> it. And now I feel like more, you know, current, like in, in emboldened to have hard conversations now because I see what it can, you know, produce. And so that is the greatest thrill of my life. I think is having a woman who's feeling a little hopeless or confused about our situation and suddenly feel like, oh my gosh, I have clarity and I got this. It's like the thrill of my life. And so it's been a blessing to work in this space. Yeah. And beyond your coaching, you have so many other tools and you also have your own podcast. The Friend Forward Podcast. Yeah. Has there been an episode that you felt is particularly impactful that maybe our listeners like can kind of dive into your work and check out? Oh, yeah. That's a great question. Well, you know, I'm biased. I'm like, well, they're all amazing. Every single one. We'll binge them all too. Yeah. And they're like 15 <laughs> minutes, which I really like. And they're 15 minutes. You know, that's because I'm a big believer of like, I, I'm very get to the point. Like, all right, ladies, let's talk about it. Here are two things you need to blah, 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 you know, but from what I've seen, like when I go and look at my numbers, the episodes that have done really well are the ones that are like, um, there's one on five reasons you feel lonely despite having friends. That is a huge episode. You know, how to make friends is obviously really huge. And then also more recently, an episode on what to do if you're the friend who's always initiating, which is like I listen one to of my one. top things. <laughs> I listened to that one because I'm doing, that's a thing right now for me. It's tough, right? You get in I your know. head like, why, is, why am I putting myself out there? What's going on? It's, it's a tricky one and it's a very popular request. Yeah. I wonder if that's another just thing with our age group again. Yeah, I wonder. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for your time. You are so well-spoken and you have so much knowledge. And I feel like this was so helpful for me personally, for us, and then also 100% for our listeners too. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. And like I said, you know, thank you for allowing me to, to lend my voice to this conversation. I'm so glad younger and younger people are starting to be like, wait a second, let's dissect friendship instead of assuming it's going to be easy. I think is going to save them a, a lot of heartache in the future to try to get it right now and, and to connect more meaningfully now. So I applaud you all for being intentional about creating space to talk about this. Oh, thank, thank you. you so uh, we'll, we'll link to everything you're doing yeah. in our show notes, including your podcast and you said you have courses and, and, and also how our listeners can work with you personally. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Everything's at betterfemalefriendships.com. And I look forward to seeing everybody over there. Thank you so thank much, you. Danielle. I love her. Great energy too. Like she just has this like glow Happy yeah, you guys energy. can never see our guests, but they always just are glowing and I look know. amazing. They're always stunningly beautiful. And she just was very like poised. Poised. And I love you know, she was hitting us with facts and numbers. Love that. I love a we fact. love we love research. Yep. We love it. So we'll link to everything that Danielle is doing in our show notes mm -hmm. if you guys want to connect with her. And we hope you learned more about how to develop and maintain female friendships, how to navigate some common friendship issues, and some tangible ways that you can take to make new friends if that's what you're looking for. Yeah. I love that she did because she gave some tangible. Yes. Like you can do this. And I think that it will bring success.
Yeah, let us know if you guys make a new friend. Yeah. We'd love that. Where you're hanging out. Okay, Nat. So let's circle back on the Storm 2020 Semillon Blanc, Blanc from Santa Ines Valley. Do you want to intro our, our hotties? This is the second time we've had two. And this week we thought it'd be so fitting to have Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. Because they're best friends. They're best friends. They've been best friends forever. And they do so much together. They work together. They're fucking They're hilarious so funny. together. We love we them. We love them. I think when they hosted the Golden Globes, it was like the funniest I one. Lo- I love it. So great. Okay. So one, two, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. And Fay. Tina Fey. A powerhouse. A power duo. What are we thinking of this Storm 2020 Savion Blanc? Listen, I have no complaints about this. Other than I wish it was slightly chilled. I know. That's my bad. I'm so sorry. No, it's not. We never have them chilled. I feel like I'd give it a eight. I was going to give it like a nine. So like an eight and a half. Eight and a half out of Amy Poehler it's, and Tina Fey. It's solid. It's solid. It's you solid. guys can pick up a bottle. It's in our show notes mm-hmm. if you want to try it. All right, this is the part of the episode where we play a little wrap-up game. And, of course, you guys, we had to play BFF Quiz. We had to do the BFF Quiz. It's only fitting. I know, but guess what? There's a new one. Because you know how we're always like, oh, shit, I think we already did that number? Yeah. This is an updated <gasps> one. Oh, my God, it's updated. I know. Okay. So you got to pick a number between 1 and 40. 33. 33. You know we love those double numbers. It just came to me. Oh. Have we done this one? No. It's just an interesting question. Remember when mine was, when was the last time you climbed a tree or whatever the fuck that oh, one was? I, I was can't. like, are you kidding me? I cannot. This says, what is one thing you're embarrassed to admit you want to try? One thing I'm, I'm, a, I'm embarrassed to, to admit. admit that I want to try. That's a oh, tough one. That's tough because I, I, I'm really good about trying new things. Yeah. I really like to. I always feel like when you're trying something new – the, the stakes are lowest because you're not supposed to be good at it. Right. It's really hard when you're like, I'm a pro at this and now I have to do it. Mm-hmm. I guess one thing that actually was really hard for me to get back into was dancing. I grew up dancing. I loved it so much. And then, you know, I, I went to college. I just stopped doing it. And then when I went back, I was like really – I don't know. It felt like very vulnerable. I was like really embarrassed in like the class. I was like, what if I'm not good? Well, you also go to one that's like. There are literal professional literal, background dancers yes, in my class. They're incredible. Um, I could <laughs> never. That would be something I would be embarrassed to try because I'd just be in the back like, what? I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. But, you know, I leave I leave that class feeling like so much closer to my like truest self. Yeah. So sometimes you got to like push yourself a little bit. Yeah. But I definitely felt like getting back into dance. I was like, Ugh, I don't leave. Yeah. It's, it's uncomfy. Especially because I grow. care so much about it. Right. Right. But That's a good I answer. Don't, I don't know if there's anything I'm that embarrassed about. No. You try a lot of just you, – you try things all the time. Yeah. Okay. One through 40, Natalie. I'm going to do 22. 22. Ooh. Are you proud of what you're doing with your heart and time right now? Yes and no. <gasps> I explain. Am, I, <laughs> explain. I am proud of what I do with my heart and my time – like even this podcast, I was talking to my therapist the other day and she was like, what are things that like fulfill you every day? And I was like, this fucking podcast, this podcast. God, <laughs> it fulfills me so much. But on the other hand of this time thing, I work too much. Yeah. We, we talked a lot about this. Was it yesterday? yesterday? We were like, there's some messed up we with can't, us. <laughs> yeah. It's 
it's fucked up. So in in that it's clinical, it's at this clinically current. <laughs> Please look at my opened tabs. I just need to show you. I just have to show you this. Clinical productivity. That's it. Um, okay, so Natalie's open tab says, <laughs> workaholic recovery, <laughs> taking back your life. Honestly, I had to Google that the other day because I'm like, I am spending all of my time working and it's it's not right. I know. And and me and Natalie, we were talking about this because it's like we're in a very blessed situation where we don't have – we work a shit ton, but we don't yeah. have nine to fives. We don't have a boss that like, you know, we have to go in and clock in and clock out. But yet we're working ourselves beyond nine to five hours. Oh, yeah. As if there is someone that's going to come in and be like, you are not doing your job here. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? If I need to go to the mall and grab something on a Wednesday, I actually have given myself the grace to do that. And I, do, I don't. I, I, I just know. sit and I'm like, I have every minute of my day has to be productive. Yeah. And it's like until I like close my eyes. I like oh, yeah. in bed, I get in bed and I email myself for the next day all the things I need to get done. Oh my God. And I'm like, Cabrin, you should be awesome. I do that. Why are you thinking about this stuff? I do that too, but I do a checklist on my phone of all the things but I have to do tomorrow. When you're in bed, literally right? laying in bed Me about too. to. And then when I open my eyes, the minute I open my eyes, I my email. email. Ah. It's sick. It's a disease. It's sick in it's the a disease. head. And I do think it is, again, we've talked about this before. It's Americans. Like we've been like brainwashed. Yes. It's like the American dream and your success is all about you. And if you're not- Our you're worth only- is based on our productivity. Yeah. Anyways, Which it's not. We are brainwashed. I'm, we're learning. We're learning. <laughs> Hyperventilating on the podcast. Okay. Well, that was cool. Yeah. Hey, new questions. Fun. New questions. We love it. You guys, if you like this episode, which is how to make friends as an adult and you want more episodes, we actually have episode 27, Navigating Adult Friendships, How to Set Boundaries and Break Up with Toxic Friends that you can go back and listen to if you want more. We also have episode 61, which is Navigating Adult Relationships with Your Parents. Mm. If you need to explore that now. So you can go in our archives and listen to one of those or if you love this one you can rate and review the podcast because it really helps us grow yes please do and we love to read them yes yes it's our favorite thing 100 and we'll be back next week with another episode love you guys <laughs>